This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. If you have a Bible today, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 14. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's fine. We're going to put it on the screen behind this. But 1 Samuel 14 this morning, I want to speak from this passage. I want to challenge us for a few minutes. Uh, before we go grab some coffee, head to Next Steps and go home today. First Samuel chapter 14. I'm going to read it from the screen today with you. Um, so together, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. It says, One day Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to a young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. How many have ever done something that you haven't told your parents? Am I the only one? Am I the only one? I, I'll never forget one time I went skydiving. And uh, before I went skydiving, I actually told my folks. And I told them at 11 o'clock at night, I walked in and said, hey, tomorrow I'm going skydiving. And my father's like, Michael, don't do that. Do not do that. And mother, my mom's laying there going, Gary, let him go. He's 19. He can do it. Then she goes, what's skydiving? And I'm like, it's when you have one more takeoff than you have a landing. That's what skydiving is. And uh, sometimes, sometimes you don't always tell your parents. We're going to jump down um, to the end of verse 3. Goes down to verse three. Skip through verse three, verse four, and says this. Says uh, he says to him, "Okay, let's go over and challenge this army." He said, "On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross over to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes, the other was called Sina. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash Mall, and the other was on the south toward just all right toward Geba." That was pretty quick. I'm just, I enjoy myself sometimes. I just want to let you know, I just welcome you to my world sometimes. Jonathan said to the young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpast of those uncircumcised men. That's Old Testament for trash talk right there. Uncir- if you don't know what that means, <clears throat> Google it. Don't, do not Google that. Uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord, I like this right here, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. I just got to pause there. I just love the honesty in his leadership. You have this man, this young man, he didn't tell his dad, he is the next in line to be king. The way the, way, the, way the ritual went that the king's sons became king. and He's learning that he's not going to become king because David, another man, we've talked about David in our legend series, he's going to be king. But Jonathan doesn't want to be king, but he does love the Lord. And there's a battle happening, and he has this armor bearer, and really what that means is basically this guy carries luggage. That's all he does. He's just like me at Costco. I just push the cart for my wife. I don't decide where I go. I try to go by the samples, but not always. But I just push the luggage. The armor bearer just carried the sword, spears, the shields. And I love this. He says, come, let's go over to the outpost of our enemy, this huge uh, army, and said, perhaps, perhaps. I love that, that lack of confidence in leadership. Like, maybe it might work out. Don't you wish some of our government leaders would run on that kind of thing? Like, you know, I have this plan, but it really might mess us up as a country. The economy could tank if we do this. I'm going to cut taxes here, but we really could be in trouble. I love the honesty there. It's like perhaps. Sometimes we get up and we say things, but on the inside we're like, I don't know if it's going to work. Like planning a church. All right, but perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. I love the confidence there. I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm tired of sitting here. Let's go try something. Some courage in there. You know, it's only faith if you can't see the other side, just so you know. That's all faith is. It takes faith for stuff you don't know. He says, perhaps the Lord will act on behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Oh, I like that. 
the armor bearer looks at him with the Costco cart with a leader that's not that confident. It might work out, it might not. We might not be coming back. We might be like skydiving. We might just have one more takeoff and landing. I don't know how this is going to go. And he says this, do all that you have in mind. Oh, that's a great armor bearer. I've got some people like that in my life. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Look at your neighbor and I'm with you, heart and soul. Tonight, if you're, today, if you're taking notes, write this down somewhere, this title, Home. Home. This is our title today, Home. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. God, it's so good to be home. Father, I pray for every face in this place, Father, whether we know them or not. I pray today our goal, Father, I believe it's your heart today, they would feel like they're home. Father, they'd walk in here and they wouldn't feel like an outsider. They wouldn't feel like they don't belong. God, I'm so thankful that everything about your life, Father, everything about your mission, everything about your heart is to welcome people in. Father, I pray these next few minutes that we would be home. I pray we let our guard down and our faith get up. I pray we would stand on the inside before we have to go out these doors and stand on the outside. Father, thank you for home. Father, I pray for everyone here. I pray I would preach well. Father, I pray this word would return, not empty, but full of faith, that it would hit the hearts of people in this room and courage would arise and faith and hope. Father God, I pray to you, stir it up in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, are you good at making conversation? Some of you are. I see in the lobby, you don't want to come in here because you're enjoying the coffee and the connection. Some of you are like, I have an audience when I'm here. I just, I want to talk to people. Conversation's kind of a lost art, isn't it? Isn't it easier? People are just, they text easier. I'm a texter. Like, if I could order pizza by text, I would. I will actually go through Boston Pizza's website and do all the things I have to do to order it so I don't have to talk to somebody because I'm an introvert by nature. I'm an introvert with extrovert tendencies, which means I can be like this, but I like living by myself, going to movies by myself, traveling by myself. And like when I come home and the wife and kids aren't home, I'm like, yes, I love my family, but I am kind of sometimes. And I realize sometimes people, it's easier to text and conversation is becoming a lost art. Trying to teach my kids in this technical, in this technology, it's too early to say that word, uh, high tech uh, generation. Because sometimes people, you'll say how you're doing and they'll go like, look at you like a deer in headlights, but later on they can text you and email you. So my son's 13 and he's, he's brilliant and my daughter is amazing, she's 10, and I, we're trying to teach them the art of conversation. So we, I ask a lot of questions. and I, Every time I pick them up from school, I drive them to school, me and my wife drive them to school and pick them up, and I've done that since they've been in school. And I always say, how was your day? What was the favorite part of your day? Anything tricky today? Anything trouble? I try to ask questions. and We have a rule with our kids that you can't have a one-word answer. Because every guy is the exact same, aren't they? You ask a, a, a young man, how was your day? He'd say it was, anything happen? Right, that's it. You ask a 10-year-old girl, Maddie, if you're in the room, how was your day? She'll go, well, first of all, do you know Katie? I'm like, I don't know Katie. Well, Katie sits next to me. Well, she has a cousin who is in town. I'm like, Katie's cousin's in town. Where's she from? Toronto. And she'll tell me about the cousin and Toronto and Katie, and eventually it'll get around to Maddie's day. But Trying to tell them you just can't answer with one-word answers. So sometimes Josh will say, it was really good. That's him having conversation. You know, like, good. Can't use a one-word answer. He's like, it was really, really good. I'm like, all right. And then we say this. Whenever someone asks you a question, ask the same question back. Most time it applies. So if someone says to you, how are you? Say, oh, I'm, I'm good. I had a good day. Uh, how are you? And to be honest, like adults, sometimes my kids aren't actually asking it. They just know they have to, you know? I've realized sometimes people aren't good all the time. You never know, I know none of you are like this, but some people are never good, like there's always an issue. 
I won't ask those people how they're doing. I'll say it's good to see you. Because sometimes if you ask people how they're doing, they'll tell you. <laughs> and sometimes you don't got time. So it's like, how are you? Oh, okay, we're going to be here for a while. Okay, so the dog died. Okay, the cat ran away. Okay, that's a bad thing. Okay, I get that. All right. All right. So sometimes it's like, hey, good to see you. But we say to our kids, ask questions. Conversations. I like asking questions. To be a good conversationalist, you have to ask questions. A lot of times if I've met you, I'll ask this question. I'll say, hey, what's your name? Where are you from? Uh, you know, you from around here? And where, where were you born and raised? That's one I always go to. Because I find it fascinating. I love places. And it tells me a lot about people. And all of a sudden, it's another country. I'm like, oh, have I been there? Do I know the culture? And I just questions lead to more questions for me. So sometimes it may feel like I apologize if I'm interviewing you and interrogating you. But I just get fascinated. One answer leads to another question. Conversations. One time I'll always ask this. So where were you born and raised? I was in New York City yesterday, and I was having a tour of a church office, and there's one girl, and my buddy Todd was introducing me, saying, this is Rochelle, and she's amazing, and she runs this, and she runs that. I'm like, hey, Rochelle, where are you from? And she's like, I was like, where were you born and raised? And she's like, Seattle, born and raised on a playground most of my days. And she was like, I was born in Seattle. I'm like, which part of Seattle? She's like, oh, okay, it's like that. You know Seattle. I'm like, I do. She's like, Issaquah. She's, you never heard of it. I said, the Issaquah Plateau? I know it very well. It snows there before it snows in Kirkland or in Monroe. She's like, you do know Seattle. I was like, how did you come to New York? How long have you been here? She goes, seven years. I was like, okay, here's my question. Rochelle, where's home? She goes, oh, New York is home. She goes, the people in my life, the, the, the stuff's going on. She's excited. She goes, I was born in Seattle. I have a house. My family has a house in Seattle. I grew up in a neighborhood in Seattle. I went to school in Seattle, but home is here. Today I want to talk to you about home. I want to talk to you about what does it look like to be home. That word home invokes feelings and emotions, doesn't it? That word home. Let me ask you a question today. How would you define home today? Home is I want some participation today. I want you to shout out. When you say home, what is home to you? Home is? Family. Home is family. Home is? Comfort. Someone say comfort. Great answer. Someone else. Home is? Love. Someone, really deep answers. You can go deep or really like. I know some of you are thinking, I'm sure the answer is Jesus right now. But it's not. Home is where I nap. Home is where there is Wi-Fi. Come on, somebody. I would give up food for Wi-Fi. Home. Home is what for you? Sanctuary. That's a great word. I just picture someone in a bell tower yelling sanctuary as invading, you know, sanctuary! No, I don't know. I've been to your house. It's a, it's a cathedral. Someone else. Home is? Home is friends. Great answer. Someone else. From the balcony. Kids, what does home mean for you? That kid's gone through puberty. <laughs> wow. Please tell me that wasn't a little girl, because we got issues, right? Family. All right. Back to the nursery. All right. No. Awesome. <laughs> you know what home is for me? It's not the deepest thing. Home is where you let your guard down. Isn't it? Home is where you don't have to do your hair. You don't care what you look like. You know what I'm saying? Like, like home is something you don't get to put makeup on. or get. Home is where you don't have to wear pants. Can we just get real here in this place? Some of you are looking at me, you let that tone of voice. Listen, home is where you can just wake up and you're just like, all right. Like, you're not thinking, before I go downstairs, I have to be presentable. Like, some of you need to get a little more presentable when you're home. You're scaring your kids. But, but you know what I'm saying? Home, Nancy, home, home, home is where you let your guard down. A couple of Christmases ago, we bought our kids iPads for Christmas. And 
And uh, I'll never forget, we bought, it was a great gift. It was the, you know, usually it was one good gift. And, and there's that one gift, and they open up these iPads. And like, ah, like, yeah, we're great parents. And, like, we're in house coats. And, like, the kids, my dad was always the guy that we couldn't. My, my dad wouldn't let us open gifts until he got the camera set up, you know. Like, it took forever. Like, come on, Dad. And they're getting the coffee. And back, back then, the cameras were so big, you know. It came with a guy that carried the battery. Like, that's how big the camera was. And. How many remember those days with beta cassettes and, oh, yeah. But I remember it would take forever. Like, come on, Dad, come on. And got to get the coffee and the camera. And Mom would get the candles and the tree. I became my father in more ways than one. But now I'm like, kids, don't even talk to your mother and I until we get some coffee, right? Do not leave your room until 7 a.m. No one gets up till 7, you know? And we're sitting there, hairs everywhere, house coats, and we're just looking like, you know, like, like 10 miles of bad road. That's me. My wife is always stunning. And, and. And then we open these gifts, these iPads, and they're like, oh, thank you. And my kids are so gracious. And anyway, about an hour later, and I'm just sitting in the bedroom or I'm sitting somewhere, and all of a sudden, my kids started FaceTiming their friends. You know, have you, there's nothing that will put fear into a man's heart than being home and you hear, dude, dude. And Maddie's walking, remember this? Maddie's walking up the stair. Like, I, I'm wearing nothing but a smile in my bedroom, and I hear, Hi, Willa. And I hear Matt, Willa going, hi, Maddie. And I'm like, oh, God, it's FaceTime. <laughs> For the next three days, seriously, you would be in an unguarded moment, laying on the couch, cheesy crumbs all over your chest, watching Netflix, and all of a sudden, dude, you know, hey, Zach, hey, Josh, oh, God, it's FaceTime. I was not ready for FaceTime. Come on, somebody. Nothing will strike fear than that. You ever hit FaceTime by accident? Somebody, you're trying to call somebody, hit, oh God, you know what I'm saying? I was at a hockey game with some friends here. A guy had never, at Madison Square Garden a couple years ago, and he had never used FaceTime. And I, face, I said, hey, well, let's call your kid at home. Show him the hockey game. And I FaceTime, he had never, he, hello, hello? His son's like, dad, dad. He's like, what? He goes, oh, I can see you, FaceTime. Home is where you're unguarded. Home is, for me, is where you don't have to wear pants. Home is where you can just relax. Here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. Home is where you're safe. Some of you, home doesn't give you those feelings. You didn't grow up in that kind of home, but home is supposed to be a place where you can be vulnerable. Home is a place where you're unguarded in your appearance, even your emotions, even in, in, in your behavior, the way I mean, you don't have to always be on. You can just kind of take a breath. It's sanctuary. It's, it, 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 that's home. And I've learned that there's a difference between a house and a home. Isn't there? The difference between a house and a home. I remember when I moved out, I got married, and we got this place we were renting, and it didn't feel like home. Home was where mom and dad were, where the food was free, and the cable flowed freely. And, and I was like, I remember in this place with no cable, and we had craft dinner, and, and that's all we had, and, and crackers. And I remember thinking, I just want to go home, because a house is not a home. You ever go into someone's house and it feels like a house, but then you go into someone's house and it feels like a home? There's a difference, isn't there? You walk in here thinking, I want to take off my pants and FaceTime people right now. I just want to, I just want to relax. I just want to have coffee and, and watch Netflix. And other places, you're like, I feel like I'm here in official business. This is not home. You ever have someone house, you're like, make yourself at home. There's a difference. In 1 Samuel 14, the story we just read, it's an amazing story here of these two men, and there's, there's tension in this text. Most of Scripture seems to be a battle 
And I realize life is a lot like that. There's always tension in life. The key moments that God wants to speak into, usually scripture, is always focused around a moment of tension. Great movies always have that tension. The great stories of life always have that tension. And I've realized in life that life is always has moments of tension. It might be financial. It might be figuring out direction for your life. In this story, there's a tension of they have an enemy that is trying to oppress them. And his father, Saul, has an army, and they're making plans. And, but sometimes you get so bogged down with rules and, 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 and infrastructure and protocol and signing forms, especially in young people. Sometimes that's why I think I feel so young. I'm like, can someone just go do something? Instead of always passing these, can we just, can someone just get up and go do? And in this young man named Jonathan and his armor bearer, there was this, this, this unction to go do something. They go up and they have this battle and there's a more to the story, but they go up and first of all, God called them perhaps. Sometimes people are like, how do you know? I was, I was in Washington, D.C. this week. Someone's like, how do you know God called you to plant a church? I'm like, well, we're going to see. Some of you, that freaks you out. But sometimes you just got to step out and say, God, I think. The voice of God, some of you are like, how do you hear God? Sometimes you go, okay, I think this is God. Like, I'm betting my life on it, but there's a chance. And they heard God's voice. He thought, I think God wants us to do this because the cause is real and there's oppression. And I don't think you need to ask permission to fight injustice. Church people won't tell you no. They'll say this. We'll pray about it. Hey, would you help us with the kids' ministry? Let me pray about that. What they're saying is, I really want to say no, but I don't have the courage. I'll text you later and say no. Can you help me move next Friday? Let me pray about it. Can I tell you, you don't have to pray to do the right thing. Two young men have a cause in their heart, but what's fascinating about this in the story of seasons of conflicts, the odds were against them the odds were greatly against them if you read the text in its entirety. They go up. They should never have had a win, and they go up, and then it's on like Donkey Kong. They just start fighting, and God gives them a victory, and they, they, these two guys wipe out a large part of an army. Then they come back to the big army, their army, and go, look what just happened. And God delivered through two men. They get a great victory, and they actually start a movement within their army of courage and winning. Sometimes the biggest wins start with the smallest acts of obedience. So many people are waiting for the big moment, the movement. We call it bandwagon. We see it in sports. And I'm like, when this gets going, when this is a proven success, when there's a win that we know this is going to work, we all know it, right? How many of us wish we'd invent, invested in Apple? Come on, when it started. But now it's like, $1,000 a stock, <laughs> okay, I'll buy in now. But there's sometimes the biggest wins start with the smallest act of obedience. Second biggest win of my life was the act of obedience of asking that lady to marry me. Not knowing how it's going to work out. Could we afford it? Could we figure it out? We didn't know each other, but I knew, I think, I thought I knew as well as I could. And it's been the biggest win in my life. The first one being my salvation to give my life to Christ. The second one. Second best decision I ever made was rescuing her from Newfoundland, <laughs> from marrying a fisherman, bringing her to the promised land, teaching her the language, and now today we have a great marriage. I'm sorry. Here's my thought today. Home is where the heart is. What's the difference between a, heart, between a house and a home? 
Home is where your heart is. I was talking to Rochelle in New York. Her house was in Seattle. She grew up in, but her home was where her heart is, which was New York. Home is where your heart is. It's your heart and soul, which is your passions and your choices. Your soul, your emotions, your choices, your will, where your heart and your choices are, that's where your home is. We're talking about home today. It's where your passions are. Home is where you rest and invest. For me, home is where I rest. Like, if I can just get home. Traveling yesterday, I'm like, I, lo I love hotels, I love cities, I love travel, but home. Home, if I can just get home, then I can rest and invest. Your home is what you invest in. That's why you mow your lawn, most of you. That's why we paint your houses. That's why you buy, go to Ikea, like everybody else in the world right now. And you buy it, why? Because you always invest in what you own, where your heart is. You want to see where someone's heart is, show me where their bank sta statement is. Show me where you spend your money. A lot of my heart is in coffee. I'll just be honest right now. But your heart is where you rest, you recharge, you get ready to go, and then you invest. You put your best your best time, your best, your, your best money, your, best, your, your home is always where you rest and invest. Over and over in Scripture and in life, there are divine moments in Scripture. And I want to encourage you today, we're talking about home. Home is where the heart is. Home is a face, not a place. I don't know if I said that, but you need to know home is a face, not a place. Did you know that? Home is a face, not a place. I've been in some beautiful houses, but they're not home. Home for me is when I see this face. Wherever my son is today and my daughter, that's, that's home for me. Couldn't wait to get out of the airport and see those faces. Inside my wedding ring, we have inscribed, and so does Nancy. It says, two lives, one cause. What we're saying is, as long as I have this, I'm home. Whether I'm in New York or London or in Lower Sackville or in Halifax, if I have this face in this space, that's home. Home is a face, not a place. All through Scripture we see this, and I believe that there is challenges in our culture. There are challenges in our life, and I believe God's calling us to challenge them. But in Scripture, over and over and over, God always starts a movement with home before he brings in acts of courage. God always starts with community before he introduces a cause. Prove it to you. In Scripture, you see it in the first one in creation, in Genesis. I'm going to read it to you. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. God has made man in the Garden of Eden. There's no sin. There's no impurity. There's no bad choices. There's no evil. It's a perfect moment of God and man hanging out. And in verse 18, the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. And every man said, amen. That's why they're called woman, because like, whoa, man, she is beautiful. She is strong. She is talented. I look at my wife and I'm like, well, you impress me. <clears throat> Strongest woman I know. So proud of you. They're in this passage and God says, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. You know what's amazing to me is in that moment, Adam wasn't alone. He had God. Think about it. 
It says that Adam walked with God in the garden in the, in the cool of the evening. He had relationship with God. There wasn't a distance. Some of you feel far from God. Adam actually walked with God. He was close to God. And the Trinity, and we're going to talk about this in the new year, but God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they're there. We know it in Scripture. Because God's talking to himself. He said, let us go down over in, in chapter 3. And God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are there with Adam. And God says, it's not good for man to be alone. Think about that. And he made a woman a helper. Man by himself, this is a thought. You just need to unpack this for a moment. If God wasn't enough for Adam, a podcast isn't enough for you. People say this all the time. I don't need to go to church. I have church in my car, in my house. I stay home and drink my coffee. I listen to my favorite preacher online. I just have me and God time. Listen, we wonder why people, listen, Facebook is not enough for friendships. You can friend somebody on a computer, but there's something deeper. If God himself wasn't enough for man, your computer's not enough for you. I love technology. I love texting and Instagramming, and I love all that. But it is a vehicle for community. It's not community. I want to let you know, what we're building here is not a service. It's a home. And it says he made Eve, this woman, to be a helper, cause. God always starts with the community before he introduces a job, cause. God always does that. He always starts with the community because you've got to gather before you grow. You've got to gather before you go. So many people just want to go and do something, change the world. God's like, well, before you take on that army, you've got to have someone in your life that says, hey, I'm with you. You're my home, heart and soul. We're in this together. We are brothers. We are sisters. We are together. Let's get some home Let's get some community before we get a cause. Let's gather before we go. God the Father. Let's talk about Jesus, God the Son. God the Son comes on the scene, and now he's going to be the rescue plan. God the Father said, hey, man made bad choices. Jesus, you're up. He's like, okay, tag, I'm in. He was, I'm going to go down and be the bridge. I'm going to rescue. They've made choices. They're far from God. Some of you feel like God is far from you. Jesus is the bridge. He made the way. But what's the first thing Jesus did? He didn't try to grow his ministry. He didn't heal people. He called 12 people and said, come follow me, gather, community, before he ever said cause. If you read your Bible, he says this, follow me, community. And then he says, I will make you cause. God always gathers before we go. He always builds community before he introduces the cause. Same with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit came. They, Jesus said, I got to go because I am the way, but you need power to follow this way and you can't do it on willpower you need divine power so the holy spirit's coming not to make you weird in church but to make you powerful in the street to be able to follow the plan i'm sending someone to help you so go and wait and wait together because he's coming they were not waiting for an it they weren't waiting for an experience they were waiting for a person community it says they they lived together they ate together they slept in the same place they they sang together they prayed together they had community and it said when he comes he will make you witnesses God always gathers before he sends us to go. He always says community before he gives you a cause. Here's what's amazing to me. So many people are so busy doing, they can't be being. We're called human beings, not doers. Doings. The rat race. Now, this is in New York. The rat race. People are just going and moving, and there's an exhaustion over the city. There's an excitement, but there is a weariness. But I see it in my own life, in your life. Sometimes we're like, we planted this church, started this church. Like, when are we going to do this? We, we might get there. Well, what about this? Uh, we might get there. Are we ready for this? We're not, why? Because you know what? If we don't gather before we go, we will burn out. Well, you know, God wants to call us to be a home. Some of you need home today. Our story, 
I got a picture on Instagram. I got to speed this up. 2015, me and my wife, God spoke to us to make some changes in our life. It was one of faith. I said, perhaps God will be with us, Nance. She's like, I am with you, heart and soul. We were coming back from doing a wedding, an amazing wedding. Married this couple in, in PEI, and we're coming across the bridge. My friends, winter is coming, by the way. This week proved it. My God. Social apply of a trip to, uh, to Hawaii. Amen. And we're going to tell our kids, and we pulled over inside the road, and we made this decision, and we had to tell our kids, and my, my kids are in the back of the car on their iPad, hi, Willa, you know, FaceTiming, and, and we're, uh, we pull over, and we chose to tell our kids that we were making a radical change in our life. We didn't know where it was going to go, but we knew we had to pick up and move. And I put, took a picture that day because I knew it would be monumental, and I told my kids, I said, a life of faith is a lot like a bridge, like this bridge. You can't see the other side, but you've got to trust that it's somewhere good. The Bible says he will lead you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. And I said, in a moment, we're going to get on this bridge. And we know it's going to the other side. We can't see it. We don't know how long it's going to take. But we trust that we'll get there. And we said, we're starting a journey as a family. And I don't know where we're going to live. It's going to be Brooklyn or Toronto or Halifax. But I can tell you this. If we got these faces, we're home. If we got this, we're home. My kids processed that for three hours driving home. Home is a face, not a place. Can I tell you what this church started out of? God saying, I'm like, perhaps God said, but then we got together. This isn't a Mike Miller thing. This is a, a community thing. We said, we got home. A couple weeks ago, I got another Instagram picture I want to put up here. You just need to follow Joanna Greener on Instagram, by the way. Joanna, Grace, she's brilliant, and she's rich. She's got lots of money. She's got a nice home. We had a leaders meeting. When I bought my first house last year, I stood in the middle of an empty, echoey living room, a house, and I prayed that it would soon be a home full of God, full of laughter, full of love. This fills my heart, and I love these people. Thank you, Jesus. She bought a house, but community turned it into a home. I saw that. My mind went back to a bridge in PEI, to be honest, where there was emotions of fear and crying going, I don't know what this looks like, but we got four of us. And I saw that picture. I thought, you know what? What started as four faces next to a bridge has turned into more. I want to let you know today, God wants you to be a part of a home. There are a lot of homes in this city, homes of faith, but this is one of them. My challenge to you today, some of you are busy with good things causes, but you don't have community. Here's my challenge to you today, and it's this. Some of you need to turn this house into your home. If you're a visitor from another church, you'd be faithful to your church, but if you're here today going, I don't have a church, and I'm looking. If you're from another church visiting, you need to be faithful to your church, your home. But some of you, you've been coming here for six weeks, five weeks, three weeks, nine weeks, and you're like, this is my house. Listen, I want to challenge you. We're not building a house, we're building a home. Listen, people are always greater than possessions. Relationships over resources every single time. In this verse, you read it, it says, God will deliver by many or by few. What Jonathan was saying is, I don't know if we got enough stuff, but listen, home and people matter more than stuff. If I got you, if we're in this heart and soul, I don't care if we got enough gear, enough ammo, enough weapons. It's not what we have, it's who I have. People are always greater than possessions. 
We're not waiting until we have enough stuff, the right building, enough money. Can I encourage you? Some of you need to turn this from being a house going, okay, I come here, I attend here, I visit here. You need to make it your home. And what do you do at home? You rest and you invest. Some of you need to come in here and rest your guards up. Some of you let your guard down. Keep your pants on, but you need to let your guard down. You need to come in and go, yeah, you know what? I didn't have a great week. Or it hasn't been a good season. Or let me show you who I Let's go for coffee. Hear my story. Let me hear your story. Some of you need to take an interest in some other people. You're so busy going, you need to stop. A good host of a good home always says, come in and puts other people at rest. Hospitality is saying, use my home to be your home. I got close friends. I don't even ask. I go to the fridge. I'm like, Joel, you got any Perrier? He's like, check the fridge. I'm like, I'm in the fridge looking for stuff. I'm driving their car. I got the code to their garage. I don't know if they know that, but I do. I got, I'm, in their, I'm inviting people to their pool. Why? Because I'm home. Because of the community I have. I want to challenge you today. We're nine weeks into this. And some of you are still coming to a house. I felt God challenged me this week. I said, oh, you need to be home. Some of you need to rest. You're exhausted. Feel the rest of me like, I don't know if I want to worship. Some of you, this is the chance where you can rest before you launch back into your week. If you don't rest, you ain't going to make it. Before I came here, I got on a, on a plane, got home last night. I needed some time at home. We're at friends. I'm like, I got to get home, Nance. Why? I got to recharge before I relaunch. Some of you have been homeless for so long. And you look good out here, but on the inside, you're worn down and shabby and broken down, and you're cold, and you're tired, and you're hungry. Can I encourage you? You need to find home. And if this isn't the home, we can help you find a home, spiritual home in this city. But you need to go home. Here's my challenge today. Will you turn this from a house to a home? I want to announce our next step as a church, our next initiative. We have this slide. Heart and soul. We didn't come up with it, but we stole it. <laughs> Creativity is just hiding your source, right? I'm not going to tell you who said that. I'm hiding that. Two Tuesdays before, before Christmas. We're going to do it every second week. We'll see what God wants to do in the new year. We're going to have a time called Heart and Soul. First one's in November, second one's in December, 7, 8 p.m. at St. Ignatius Catholic Church in Bedford. Father Cosgrove said, yeah, well, you can use our church. Heard my heart, and they were so good. It's not their church thing. They're just going to let us use their building. We're going to go in there, and for an hour, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray. See, we built this for guests and visitors. We built this, this here. This home is for people that we haven't met far from God. And anybody's welcome to come on Tuesday night to Heart and Soul, but we're going to actually have family talk. We're going to rest and recharge, have a chance for an hour. We're going to worship. We won't have a lot of stuff. There won't be a lot of lights or banners or coffee, but there will be worship. And then we're going to pray. And maybe it's for your marriage or for your health. And if you have a prayer need, we're going to start praying for people. And we're going to teach. And we're going to sit down and just rest and recharge so we can launch back into our week. And for an hour. Because why? Because we realize the battle we're in right now is turn this from a house to a home. And some of you, you need to go from a house to a home. So would you consider on your, when you leave today, you're going to get one of these handed to you. Just to remind you. And it's open to anybody. But just show them. Go, you know what? I'm going to come and put my heart and soul Whatever's on your heart to do, we're going to figure this out. But I'm in this to win it. And I need a home, a place where I can just breathe. Today, if you just, for a moment, just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. I'm going to pray. If you walk in here today and like, Mike, I'm not a part of this church and I'm new to this, but I don't, I don't even know God. 
We believe this comes out of the first thing was God sent his son to die for us to make, let us know you're home, that you belong. Home is a face, not a place. Home is the face of God himself saying, I love you, I need you, I value you, I died for you. Let me welcome you home. Today, even right now, we're going to pray in just a moment. We're going to pray in just a moment and welcome you home. If you're saying, Mike, I don't have a face today. I don't know God. We're going to say a prayer and you can say you can come home. This might not be your church. You can go somewhere else. I'm not talking about that kind of home right now. I'm talking about a bigger home. It's called eternity. The Bible says he prepares a place for us. That home is a place of knowing God. You're like, Mike, I don't know God. I feel far from God. I feel disconnected from God. I feel hope today and it's scaring me because I haven't felt hope in a long time or I'm actually enjoying today. Could it be that joy? I haven't felt joy in a long time. That's not me. That's the presence of God. It's God calling you home. Under the sound of my voice, with every eye closed and every head bowed, just for a moment, if you say, Mike, I want to just trust God with my life, like that bridge. I want to cross that bridge, which is Jesus Christ saying, Jesus, will you just take me home? Will you just, will you just bring me back into a relationship with God, a life of faith? And what you're saying is, God, I trust you with my life. He's like, Mike, I need to know God. I don't know God. I want to start a life of faith. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know where it ends up. But I do know I need to feel connected to God. There's something bigger than just what I see, more than just my life. There's got to be more after death. And I believe Jesus Christ is the way. And that's the truth. He can give me life. With every head bowed, just a private moment, if that's you, all of this place. On a count of three, I just want you to raise your hand real quick so I can see it, and then you're going to put it right back down. And that's all you're going to do today. If that's you, you're like, Mike, I want to know God is home. I want to know God. All of this place. One, two, three. If that's you, just raise your hand real high. I want to pray for you real quick. I see that hand. I see that hand. Just one more second. You put it right back down. I see that hand. You can put it right back down. Can we pray together? All of this place, everyone in this room, can we all stand to our feet today? We're going to welcome three to four people right now. Have a chance. We're going to pray a prayer. They're going to come home, not to this church, though they might want to come to this church. It's bigger than that. Home to a God that made them and called them. We're going to say this after me. We're going to help them. One thing when you're a good host of a home is you show people around. Can we help introduce people to their life of faith? All together, can we repeat after me this prayer? If you put your hand up today, we want to pray for you. I'm proud of you. It's good to see you. I haven't seen you for a long time. I know God has a plan for your life, Alicia. He thinks the world of you. If you put your hand up today, like my friend Alicia, who I've known for a long time, one of my favorite people in the world. If you put your hand today, we're going to say this prayer, but we're all going to say it together. Can we? Let's bow our heads. Let's say this after me. Say, Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, say it today like you're a host. Lord Jesus Christ. I give you my life. Forgive me for my choices that made me run from home. But I choose you today. Would you come into my life? Would you make yourself real? Would you lead me? Would you guide me? And would you forgive me? I trust you, Jesus. I believe in you, Jesus. Amen.